0: Yummy, yummy, delicious, yum, 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 yum. yum. Yay, cigarettes, cigarettes, cigarettes. Cigarette.
1: Today is Friday, December tenth, two thousand twenty-one. Time for episode one hundred sixty-two of the Barnhart Podcast. The events of this year have been harrowing and um, trying for some people, more trying and more harrowing for others. And of course, all along, we've been giving uh, lots of advice and and feedback and uh, information about COVID, what you can do to uh, protect against it, what to do uh, if you get it. And I'm done talking for this episode. I'm going to turn it over to Anne to, um, uh, actually, I don't even know for sure what Anne's going to say. I'll just turn it over to her and um, you take it from there.
0: All right, thanks, Super Nerd. Um, you know we've been talking, and we've done a couple episodes now, um, talking intensely about the dangers of hospitals. And the truth of the matter is, is that we were talking about this because of direct personal experience, because our beloved non-venny Mark um, just went through this, and uh, Nurse Claire was instrumental and as you're going to hear non vinnie mark say several times during the course of this episode as he tells his story um he credits her basically with saving his life um I, w- I was gonna try to see if super nerd could uh do a special episode and uh take the opening the opening riff of blue oyster cult don't fear the reaper and make it the intro music but it's uh it's it's don't don't fear the reaper but definitely fear the hospitals so we have we have alive and kicking and pissed off with a with a big story to tell we have non Vinny mark and we have nurse claire on the line too so this is just this episode is non Vinny mark's official debriefing of how they basically tried to murder him in the hospital non Vinny mark god bless you we love you thank you for being here thank you for doing this
1: well, thank you for having me, Anne. And uh, <laughs> I, my, my uh, to be honest, my my hospital experience was mixed. But what I'm, you know, I'm going to tell my whole story and so you can know what kind of COVID I had and, and all that kind of good stuff. But, uh, you know, there were some moments that were touching and go in the hospital. But ultimately, I ended up in, I had done my research ahead of time, which I urge everyone to do. Don't end up in one of these massive, uh, Hospital systems where literally the CEO has been on TV for the last twenty months, uh, smashing the panic button. Do your research, yeah. and you know, find yourself maybe a smaller or a specialty hospital, and um, you're going to be you're going to have much better. You're not going to have any guarantees, but you're going to have probably have a, a, a much better time at a place. I went actually to a a, a heart hospital. So, heart surgery is their specialty. They happen to Mm -hmm. have an ER. Um, And I knew that. uh, So, you know, there's some other considerations in terms of an urgent care. You know, Mm -hmm. an urgent care may or may not be able to help you. And if your case is serious enough, they're going to transfer you and you may or may not have any say in that. So, I knew at least if I was going to be admitted, I would be admitted to the same place that I went to the ER. And it was a they're, they need their beds for heart surgeries. Like, they're not really interested in overloading on, on COVID, or at least that was my hope. And it turns out that was, at least I think that was true.
0: But maybe I should
1: back up and, and... Yeah, start
0: from the beginning, because you were, we all knew that you were, you had it and you, you were like grinding along for over a week, weren't you?
1: Yeah, it was, it was, well, it actually cleared on day eight. So I just had sort of a, a dry cough is how it started. That was my first symptomatic day. The following day I went for a test and I was positive. And then it was just low fever, not even any respiratory system uh, 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 symptoms. Mm-hmm. Low, low fever, flu-like, like you know how you feel in your, in your head when you have the f- flu, yep. like just, you don't feel very good. But not like a bad flu, like I was never in bed. I was- Really, okay. I, was, I worked that whole week. Wow! I literally worked the whole week. Did not take a sick day. Did not tell my employer, obviously, um, and just a low, like a now 101, working from
0: home. Working from home working online, or okay, yeah, all right, okay. From home. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, one hundred one, one hundred one point five is about as high as the fever got. Um, that ran all the way through seven days, and you know, taking all the things that we recommend, including the. The super boosted ivermectin at the 0.6 milligrams per kilogram, which for myself being sort of mildly overweight, that's half a tube of horse paste a day. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to hurt you. It's only going to help you. That's what I was doing this entire week.
0: Were you taking it all at once or were you spreading it out?
1: You have to take it all at once.
0: Oh, okay. It's, okay. it's
1: it's specifically, yeah, it's 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 important to take it all at once. And it's sort of important to take it separately from whenever you're dosing your zinc, because you're taking the Cuceratin with the zinc, and the Cuceratin is kind of uh, uh, not good for the ivermectin absorption.
0: Yeah, Nurse Claire, you mentioned that on um, episode 161 um to make sure that you stagger those at opposite ends of the 12 hour clock yep
2: yeah and in your ivermectin as mark said has to be all at one time don't spread it out during the day one big hammer dose once a day
0: is it delicious mark is it is it just everything we thought it would be to be taking that much horse paste at one time
1: I mean, you don't really know the the just the visual of squeezing out a half a tube of horse paste <laughs> onto your finger and sticking it in the back of your throat. Yeah, it's great <laughs> <laughs> So um, so here here we are now on day eight, and mm-hmm. the fever um, spikes to, well, not spikes. It, it's 102. I mean, it's not that big a deal, but that's what broke it. I had the you know, like chills and sweats and kind of weird mm-hmm. stuff going on for about an hour. And it broke. And I felt great. I got my, so like halfway through it, lost, lost sense of taste and smell and lost my appetite and all that stuff that you hear about. Mm-hmm. I got all of that back. I was dying for, I mean, what's the first thing you do in America when you get your taste and smell back? You go Baking get McDonald's. McDonald's french fries, come on.
0: Oh, okay, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, true, 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 Okay.
1: So everything was great for about 12 hours and then that night my oxygen started to drop and i'm like What's how going? did you know
0: that you would because a thingy?
1: because i have a pulse oximeter yes i've had one for for years but it's one of the things that dr corey called out in uh when the delta strain you know maybe in august when they upped the the ivermectin dose one of mm-hmm. the things that he called out was they're seeing this problem with o2 in patients with uh, with with this new variant whatever whatever it is so you know keep an eye on that and you know if your oxygen gets into the 80s you're you're in trouble like you're talking mm-hmm. about organ damage and you need to go to the hospital mm-hmm. so Monitoring this and it's low, and I can't really explain it. And Nurse Claire giving me some breathing exercises to do from you know prone position, breathe from, breathe from your stomach kind of thing to get the to get the bottom of your lungs working. And and sure enough, that that's that's working for me. Um, and then did it you starts- feel
0: like you had pneumonia?
1: No, I didn't have shortness of breath. I had no, still wow. had no symptoms to this day. I have had no symptoms of any kind of pneumonia, or I have not had shortness of breath or trouble breathing through this whole thing.
0: Wow. So that's amazing. F- okay. Uh-huh.
1: So then the next day, um, it starts to get a little worse. I'm still pounding the ivermectin, mind you, even though I don't have, I literally don't have symptoms. I have nothing going on. I'm, I'm perfectly better, except uh-huh. this thing on my finger is telling me something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So um, we finally start, we, we, fi- we finally decide to start pounding the steroids to try to work through some of the inflammation or the, you know, a lot of this is working against your own immune system. You know, you're, you're, you're fighting yourself a lot of the time in this thing. And, um, we start pounding the, the, the steroids, but finally on the third day of this, which is, I don't know, day 11 overall, I, I can't keep the number up anymore. And I decided I have to go to the ER. So again, do your homework ahead of time. You don't want to be thinking through which hospital you're going to go to when you literally need to go to the hospital right now. Mm-hmm. So I did that, went straight over. They. You um,
0: drove yourself over.
1: I could have walked. It's literally 100 yards <laughs> from, my, from, my, from, my, from my place. I can, I can, I'm, I'm looking out my, my back window right now, and I can see the building.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's okay. it's it's.
1: I was lucky enough. The or maybe it's providential. I don't know, but the the one that I did the research on, out of all of Metro Phoenix, the one that I decided I was going to go to if I had to was a hundred yards from my house. Go figure.
0: Nice. Well, there you go.
1: So um, they take me right in. I'm I'm seen right away. Uh, I'm in the ER. They order a bunch of tests. They put me on oxygen, obviously four liters. And uh, chest x-ray, a bunch of other tests, they're initially convinced that I have clots, and they must be seeing a lot of clots because yeah. they didn't even they, they didn't even investigate anything else. For six hours, they're looking for clots, um, ultimately with a, with a chest a lung CT that um, didn't show any clots. Thank God it didn't have any clots.
0: Did it show pneumonia?
1: it did show pneumonia. Mm -hmm. So now I didn't see any of these images. I don't know, I mean, it it seems to me it couldn't have been that bad of a pneumonia if I'm not even short of breath, because I've had pneumonia and it can be terrible, really terrible.
0: Oh yeah, it's awful. Nurse Claire, jump in here. Is this, have you seen or heard anything like this, this completely ambulatory walking
2: pneumonia situation? Yes. Um, okay. Typically, patients who, the the ones who are the sickest with COVID, this is what they report. Um, mild symptoms, just like Mark had at the beginning, and then around day six, day eight, day nine, that's when the cytokine storm um, really hits, and um, they are developing... What I suspect with Mark is that the ivermectin kept this very much in check. Mm-hmm. Um, and had he not been on the ivermectin, the cytokine storm would have caused um, massive inflammation and edema in the airways because the COVID pneumonia is very different from conventional, traditional, bacterial, or viral pneumonia. Um, And those patients are decompensating rapidly. They're coming, they're the people that they have a a room air saturation, oxygen saturation in the 90s. And then within a matter of minutes to hours, it's in the 70s. And they're begging for people to put them on the ventilator because they can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, So with Mark, I think that the ivermectin really suppressed a lot of that. But um, he did need additional intervention because those small distal airways were collapsing and was enough to drop his oxygen saturation but but it was subclinical he wasn't feeling particularly symptomatic Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i never would have known i never would have known now i also think just to kind of interject some some so the timing all matches what nurse claire just said and the cytokine storm I also think that so the only thing that I ever took through this whole ordeal that didn't come from the frontline doctor's recommendation was I uh, I did a like a telemed thing with Blue Cross and um, the 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 only thing that that doctor recommended was albuterol which is a bronchodilator and he prescribed it okay so I thought, well, what can this hurt? Well, that was on like the, the day before I got, I, I got better. And I was taking it for you know the second day, the third day, the fourth day, when all of the oxygen issues began. Guess what is a very well-known side effect of albuterol? Do tell. That it can have the opposite effect. That it can constrict your your airway and, hmm. and and all of that stuff. So I am, in fact, I was already, now it took me a couple days to really look into that and figure out that that could be what's going on. But by the time I went to the hospital, it's the first thing I told them was that I thought I was having a, you know, part, at least part of my problem was I was having a negative reaction to the butyrol. So okay. I don't know, we'll never know if that's, Part of what happened or not. But at any rate, the hospital experience in the ER, um, the ER thing was a little bit troubling because it was taking a very long time to get all of the the tests done. And I was just sitting there in the like I had no basically I went without water or you know any type of fluids for a long time, over six hours. And which I, you know, I couldn't believe that they didn't put me on an IV. And at the same time, I'm not really wanting them to put me on an IV. I don't know what they're going to put in there. Right. That that you know that sort of thing. But at one point, I had to. I was in the ER for a total of ten hours, and before they moved me upstairs, and I, I just started having to ask for for water, like every hour, and they're bringing these tiny little you know, not Dixie cups, but they, you know, they can't be more than four ounces. They're, let's mm-hmm. see, it, it's not much. So, which that now, is- Now, was this,
0: was this part of their protocol to quote, unquote, dry people out and all that, or- uh, uh,
1: we'll, we'll never know. But shouldn't the, you know, if that is a protocol, I mean, they, they certainly should be going overboard in the other direction to make sure that- um, fluid, you know, at least saline, if not other electrolytes are being, are being given. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you through the whole thing, um, you know, went, uh, during the first week and then the, you know, the week after I, I came back home, my body was using so much water and electrolytes. And I just, I I don't even know where it was going. Like that's, that's what it was using to, to get me better,
2: Mm -hmm. but it
1: was, I'm gonna say two gallons of water a day, water or, you know, Gatorade.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm gonna say about two gallons a day. Wow. And it was just, yeah, it was, so that was one of the biggest things I have here on my notes is you have to stay hydrated. And the minute you think you're hydrated, you're not hydrated. You 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 just have to really keep at it and force yourself with the with the fluids.
0: Did you lose weight, do you think?
1: I lost... Thirteen pounds, dude. Um, I mean, I basically didn't eat. I mean, I, I I don't know how to give advice on on this, but when I lost my sense of taste and smell, I lost my appetite, and it wasn't just losing a- appetite; it was like an aversion to to food. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's that that's not helping. That that's not you know, you, yep. you, you need you need your strength. You need to be you need to be eating something. And it was just very difficult for, for a few days to, to, to get anything down. Mm -hmm. So, um, once I went to, once I got moved upstairs, uh, the care was much different and much better. And, uh, all of the nurses and doctors that I encountered were, um, completely respectful of my wishes and my directives mm-hmm. they uh obviously knew that i was unvaccinated and you know didn't didn't treat me like a deplorable that's and, good and yeah that that that's it's great and they even you know after i was asking for a while for the, the standard, me- I mean, I knew they wouldn't give me ivermectin, but all the other things I figured, you know, I could have access to. And they just, they, they weren't providing any of that. And one of the nurses came in and said, look, do you have somebody nearby? And I said, yeah, I have. you know, my son is right down the street. And she said, have him pack you a bag. I don't care what's in it. I'm not right. going to open it. Have him pack, uh, pack you a bag and bring it straight here. So the nurses' station was right outside my door. Mm-hmm. So, and oh, by the way, this hospital—if I ever had to get out—zero security. Wow. I could have, I, I could, I could have t- taken the IV out and walked out the door at any time, and also not only uh, egress but ingress. So when he brought the bag, no security. What, wow. Right through the front door, right to the elevator, up to the fourth floor, right to the nurses' station, and drop my bag. Just like, she, just
0: like the old days, basically. Yeah, and she brought
1: yep. her right in. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Also, uh, something interesting: no masks.
0: Ooh, that's no telling right there. Masks.
1: The the the, the first thing that uh, that the now in the ER it that everybody w- was masked but on the floor inpatient nobody was masked Interesting. None of, none of the staff and the nurse comes in and says you know you don't have to wear a mask in here right nice. and i'm like even i don't have to wear a mask like we're all in on this yeah and she's like yeah yeah so I thought that was pretty, I, I don't know how much of that, uh, how, how much intellectual honesty is going on. Maybe Nurse Claire can speak to it in the medical community, but I was kind of astonished at that.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm surprised at that too. I've not heard a hospital doing that. The hospital system that I work for won't even let you get out of your car without a mask on. If you're in the parking garage, you have to wear a mask. If you're in the parking lot outside you have to wear a mask you have to wear a mask on the hospital property on the sidewalks everything not just indoors um good grief yep the the lunch room the break areas are all arranged with one table or one i'm sorry one chair per table everybody has to keep their distance and you can only take your mask off if you're eating or drinking um and that and then there's a magic force field that viruses yeah, right. can't get through and that's yeah. Consistent with what I hear from other nurses mm-hmm. and physicians, so Mark's experience sounds quite unique. And mm-hmm. we should put the name of this hospital out there and give them business. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we can
1: attention put attention
2: everyone in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: if you can get to this place, get to it. It's it's uh, the Abrazo system. They've they've got a number of different facilities, but primarily, like I said, a heart hospital. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so then outside of every room, there was a um, is PPE, is that what they call it? All the protective gear. So outside of every room, there's a stack of PPE. And when anybody, any nurse or doctor is going to come in, they will put the whole thing, you know, the full gown, the two, two masks, uh, the plastic shield, everything. And then when they leave, they take it all off. It's one-time use. They take mm-hmm. it all off and put it in the receptacle, mm-hmm. and, and and that's repeated every time they come in the room. But me, I'm in there with no mask, happy as a clam on my oxygen.
0: Now, are you still are you still quote unquote testing positive at this no. point or
1: N- no? So I tested positive. So I I spent the night in the hospital. I got my. Um, I got my oxygen up basically doing the exercises. I got it back up to like 97, and I was on four liters of oxygen uh, in the room, and the doctor discharged me at 10 o'clock the next morning with oxygen to take home basically. Mm -hmm. So I continued to test positive for another week, at least five days after that. I was positive for a total of 17 days. Okay. So, I don't really know where to to gauge that. Obviously, that's longer than than you're normally sick with something. Seventeen mm-hmm. days is a very long time. But mm-hmm. I've had relatives that um, uh, double jabbed relatives who tested positive for forty five days.
2: Good grief!
1: And and only had you know even milder. Well, they have a
2: very high. We know the vaccinated have a very high viral um, viral load. We know that that's been. Yeah, demonstrated in the literature, and now you're demonstrating it anecdotally for us, Mark.
1: Right. So I don't know if that's a combination of they're still shedding from uh, the jab from months and months ago in 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 combination to getting actual COVID, and then yeah, I mean we've heard a lot of stories like that.
0: So at any point were they were they trying to get you to? Put yourself on a ventilator or...
1: Oh, good point. Mm. Good point. There's actually two points here. So they did try to get me, in terms of treatment, they did try, they asked me twice about remdesivir, and they asked me twice about monoclonal antibodies. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I refused, that was the end of the conversation. There was no, It was a total respect for, for my directives, no, no kind of coercion or anything like that. Okay. Um, In terms of the snorkel, when I woke up in the morning, the there's a there's a big whiteboard that has that they write the 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 nurses that are on duty and the doctor that's on duty and uh, what medications you're on, it's all up on on the whiteboard. And one of the areas is diet and i don't remember what it said the night before but when i woke up in the morning my food that was on my tray and my water was gone mm. and next and next to the diet uh area on the whiteboard it said i forget what the initials were
2: and by doctor's
1: order doctor's doctor's order only, something like that. Um, Or by by doctor's order, BDO, maybe?
2: NPO, nil per os, nothing by mouth.
1: Ah, okay, right, right. So I saw that, and I I noticed that they had taken everything away. And I'm like, they're thinking about the snorkel. Yeah. At least it's on the table. So that made me that, that was the most concerning moment, I think, out of the whole thing. And it was at a time when I went to the hospital completely un, unprepared. I didn't even have, you know, I didn't have a phone charger. I didn't have anything. So at this point, my phone is getting pretty low and I'm realizing that the most important thing, so this was before the nurse told me that I could, you know, have my son bring a bag in or anything like that. And he's already wanting to bring everything. And I'm like, no, we can't risk that right now. Uh, we don't know what they're going to do. What I need most of all is the phone charger. Just mm-hmm. bring me the phone charger in case you know. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's what I need the most is communication. Right. So it turned out, you know, everything went well that morning, and my numbers were were really good. But uh, it was definitely, you know, while I lay sleeping,
0: mm. they
1: they were talking.
0: Mm-hmm. So you
1: you never know. You never know. Yeah. I mean, the, the be prepared. Do whatever you can. You don't want to go to the hospital. You really don't yeah. want to have to go. Yeah. So, you know, some of the recent recommendations in terms of these uh, oxy- oxygen machines that are available on Amazon and elsewhere, I don't know how good they are, but it's worth having one around.
0: For 350 because, bucks, Yeah. again, it can't hurt. And yeah, I mean, you said you were on four liters, um, all the ones I've seen, um, or a lot of the ones I've seen go up to seven liters. And then the one I bought goes up to nine liters. Um, so and I'm sure that it's not ideal. I'm sure, you know, anytime you have some sort of a port- portable device like that at home that you've bought off of Amazon, of course, it's not going to be as good as what would be from, uh, you know, uh, a company or in the hospital itself. But goodness gracious. It's, it's better than nothing. And it's such a simple thing to have on hand, and it can, you know what, it can sit in your garage, it can sit in your, um, in your linen closet or whatever, and it can just chillax, but by golly, if you or anyone around you ever needs it, you, have it, have it on hand. It's a good thing to have.
1: Absolutely, 100%. So uh, another reason to stay out of hospitals. I, I got a cold while I was in the hospital. <laughs> I started, I, 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 That's I, ironic. Came, yeah. I, I came yeah. home and, and two days later I had a cold. I hadn't yeah. been anywhere else. So it has to be the hospital. There's, you sure. know, uh, whereas with COVID, I don't really know. Um, I don't really know where I got it. Had you it. been I, flying? I hadn't been traveling. Um, the, the incubation period is wide enough that I, I just can't pin it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't go that many places, but, um, it's just, it's, it's hard for me to pin down because the incubation period is, is wide enough that it could have been a a number of different things. Sure. So, so yeah, so I get home and now I've got the respiratory symptoms and it's just a cold. It's just, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, stuffed up runny nose, um, all, all that kind of stuff, a little bit of, a um. I'm starting to like cough, cough up some, some mucus and, and whatnot, just normal. Now that's also the pneumonia um, curing itself. Clearing, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's another thing with the, with the uh, fluids and so important in clearing whatever's going on in your, in your lungs as well as taking the, the mucinex that doesn't have the cough suppressant. It just has the Uh, expectorant to to, to kind of keep that. You don't want that, I don't know what the medical term is, Nurse Claire, but you don't want that gunk to get gunky. Right,
2: correct. The cough suppressants are going to impair the movement of the cilia, the tiny little hairs that sweep the airways, and you don't want to impair that. You want to be able to, to bring up whatever is is in there um the coughing and deep breathing exercises keep the airways open the expectorant would help clear any mucus that's building up in there um because that's a prime setup for developing a bacterial pneumonia then mm-hmm. on top of the covid pneumonia so yeah
0: so if you it seems to me that if you dehydrate somebody that would make the mucus thicker and nastier. Is exactly. is that correct? So yes. it's so shady. It is so shady that they're that they're getting pe- that they're dehydrating people. And then you hear these stories of, you know, they come out and say, oh well your loved one went went um went downhill. Well yeah, no kidding. You you dehydrated them, um, they're weakened from that and then and then you're thickening whatever it is that's down in their lungs i mean this is it's just it's madness and, be, and remember they're, you're they're,
1: you're de- you're being dehydrated even by even by hydrating yourself normally you're you're going to be dehydrated because of how your body is working against this thing so if they're actively withholding liquids from yeah. you you're going to go downhill fast i'm sorry and you're guys scared. you,
2: you th- th- you were Go already ahead. dehydrated mark because you you were sporting a fever I think you said it was 102 that alone is going to dehydrate a person which is why you know you were your body was telling you to drink um so the fever is dehydrating and then they are withholding all um, oral intake as well as IV hydration and I the misguided thinking initially in the days of New York, in early 2020, they kept saying, oh, these patients are getting pulmonary edema, they're getting pulmonary edema, we have to dry them out so that they don't get water in their lungs. And that is not, that's not what's happening. Mm -hmm. So it's a very misguided way of thinking and and it's detrimental. Uh, I wish that physicians out there would stop doing this. It doesn't work. Well, and there's no excuse
0: because we're, you know, two damn near two years into this now. It's not as if, it's not as if they don't know it's not exactly. as that you right. know, evidence is right in front of them that this is this is very bad news. And we've heard um we've heard reports of people that the hospitals are going so far as they're doing things like taking um taking the handles off of the faucet in the bathroom and uh turning you know, the water tu- off in the toilet. Turning toilets. the water off in yep. the toilet. I mean it's yep. just it's insanity. Yeah. Okay, so Mark, continue on.
1: So, so that is probably one. Now, I didn't have the fever anymore. Remember, my my, it had broken a couple days before I ended up going to the hospital. So, I literally mm-hmm. didn't have anything go. I didn't. I felt fantastic. It was, it was the strangest thing. So, but the the the, the this thing, whatever it is, which was doing its work this whole time, you know. Stealthily in my lungs, mm-hmm. so having a fever for eight days is not normal. by the way, don't try to break that fever on your own. You want the fever let it let it do its job
2: I'm going to jump in. Can I jump in real quick? Oh yeah, real quick. Tylenol don't take Tylenol yeah glutathione is a very, very important substance in your body that will help you with this. And when you suppress it, which is exactly what Tylenol does, Mm -hmm. it impairs your body's response. Um, I don't suggest anyone takes Tylenol. I really don't. Ever. Ever. Yeah. And there there are actually, um, there are some well-intentioned doctors out there who are now recognizing that and giving patients glutathione to help them combat covid so why would you take acetaminophen which is going to suppress your body's own naturally occurring glutathione don't do that
0: yeah what are the safe ones i take a leave that's what's that naproxen sodium or
2: the non the non-steroidals are better none of it's none of it's really ideal but Mm -hmm. if you're if your fever is 104 and you really need to bring it down i would suggest leave or um, ibuprofen, which would be Motrin. Um, Advil is actually produced by Pfizer, I think. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just get the generic ibuprofen. Get generic, yeah, 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 okay.
1: But what you do wanna be, and I've got a whole list of things here um, in terms of the treatments, but what, what you do want to keep on hand and take daily is aspirin for a number of reasons, but the clotting is, maybe the biggest one that it can help you with and uh it's not just in the vaccinated it's in the unvaccinated who have covid that are get that are having clotting issues so yeah you, they've
0: been you, pulling clots out of people all along and that's how we knew there's just there's something seriously hinky here because nurse claire correct me if i'm wrong but this this clotting business has never been associated with coronavirus before now has it
2: no no, this, yeah. is, um, this is the spike protein, yeah. um, which is, explains why it's happening in both the, the infected as well as, as the vaccinated, because both of those subsets of patients or both of those patient populations have the spike protein, whether it's um, from the infection or from the vaccine. So,
0: And the spike protein is itself what Fauci's gain of function work in Wuhan would have would have been on, correct? I mean, this is this is the culprit here is this spike protein. Yes. Is that is that correct? Yep.
2: Yeah. That's my okay. understanding of it, yeah. Yep. Okay.
1: And you know, that's why I'm more convinced now than ever, uh, gain of function, bioweapon, whatever term you want to use, because it was so mild and so like I never would have suspected that anything was going seriously wrong. Except the length of time that that I had the fever, and you know it took eight days for the thing to break and for me to feel better. But then that the most dangerous part of it came after that.
0: Well, Have I you ever suspect, heard of that before? No, no. But I suspect that Fauci and the rest of them. I don't think they knew. I think I think they knew to mess with the spike protein, and they knew that they could poison people with it, um, and they might even know that it's a sterilant somehow. Um, but I suspect that, you know, this is the experiment. This is the experimental phase and they're just now figuring out, I don't know, maybe they were testing it on animals and, and they knew, um, that it would play out like this, but I suspect that, that this experimental phase is as informative to them as it is to us. That's my suspicion.
1: Sure, Sure it is. And they suspected that, um, at the very beginning, they their worst fears probably were, you know, worst fears. Like that was probably legitimate because they knew what they were messing around with. And, you know, I I keep coming back to the fact that when we had that day, March 13th of 2020, Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. right around there. And we had that day where in the span of four hours all of the leadership of the United States and, you the know, world, go- really. government, government, uh, sports leagues, NCAA, you name it, every mm-hmm. kind of or- What did they tell them in those four hours? What yeah. story did they tell them in those four hours that made every one of them their pants? Yep. That's what I want to know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Because imagine how bad it had to be, that story. Yeah. It had to be catastrophic.
0: Yep. Hmm. Okay. So, your home and now the, the w- so you would characterize it as the thing that I mean, if we're going to say that something turned you around and cured you and got you back back on your feet and back to health. Well, you were never off your feet. Back to health. It w- it was the oxygen, right? The o- the oxygen supplementation was what you needed.
1: Yes, the oxygen okay. uh that that was sort of the acute need, and then um they had they put me on prednisone and a Z pack, so because their biggest concern was a bacterial infection. You don't want a bacterial mm-hmm. infection mm-hmm. on top of what you've already got because that's probably going to you in so yeah. um, uh, standard uh, strip of prednisone where you start out at a high dosage and then it goes down every day for I think six or seven days which feels great at the beginning and feels terrible at the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you've ever been on steroids uh, and then a Z pack uh to to uh, to ward off any sort of secondary infection that might be lurking out there. And yeah, and then I had the cold. So I'm kind of shuffling through this thing and it took about a week and the cold went away and the oxygen I guess took about a week, maybe maybe 10 days till I was completely off of it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so my numbers now, I, I still have, I'm, I'm still taking Simbacort, which is a, a combination uh, steroid slash uh, bronchodilator, it's an inhaler, because I still, my, my numbers are like 95, 96, and I'm normally like 98, 99, so there's still some stuff going on in there that I'm not sure about, and I'm gonna keep taking the, um, and I would recommend the the Simbacort, or um, what's the pure, is it Primacort? What's the pure Budesonide?
2: Pulmacort.
1: Pulmacort. Uh, Cause you really, you really want that steroid deep down in there doing, Doing it's, it's
2: absolutely work. necessary to prevent the formation of fibrotic, basically scar tissue in the mm-hmm. lungs.
1: Right. So that's the biggest thing I, I want to try to guard against right now because there, there still could be. So that's permanent. That's where your body, again, it's the immune system doing you in. Your body is replacing, laying down connective tissue where active lung tissue should actually be
0: and you don't undo that once that's done it's correct done. Yeah, correct. correct so that's i've got a i'm yep.
1: i'm going to continue to try to ward against that and get my number back up where where it should be i've got probably 10 days uh, worth of puffs left in that thing right now and i'm going to probably try to get it refilled
0: okay are you still you're not taking oxygen though at all at this point you're off no. of that
1: okay. no no com- completely off of that and like i've been I haven't been back up the mountain and I haven't been to the gym, but I've been out walking at least three miles a day. And, you know, at first I was taking the oximeter with me to make sure I wasn't Mm
0: -hmm.
1: killing myself while I'm out. Uh, And I mean, my heart rate typically, I can't really get it over 110, 115 if I'm just walking. Right. But, um, you know, I took that with me for the first week, I guess, uh, just to make sure and, and that, turned out at first it was kind of iffy, but then literally every day that went by, I was getting better and better. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I wanted to make sure that we had a happy ending before we did a podcast.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were, um, you, you kept it between you and nurse Claire for a while, and then she got your permission to tell the rest of us. And Boy, we we all sat up and jumped, and and masses were said immediately, and all kinds of things. So, and uh, of thank, course, thank I... you, Nurse Claire, for saving our friend.
1: And and that was you, you know that was <laughs> a, a
2: credit for that.
1: <laughs> those prayers and masses, it was a co- it was a combination of uh, for me getting better, but also prayers and masses for them not killing me. Yeah, that, that's, that's when kind of the word went out was, we don't know which way this is going to go, both in terms of Mark's health, but also in terms of what kind of treatment he's going to get. So mm-hmm. let's storm heaven. Yep. Amen.
0: Head your protection, baby. Head your protection <laughs> around you. But it, boy, it really does sound like you lucked out or uh, or the divine providence was was firmly at work yes, in indeed. in getting you next to that facility it sounds and it sounds like i would be very curious to know if those nurses are all injected or not if they're saying that nah, you don't have to wear masks it it sounds like they're kind of on side i don't i don't know it would be interesting to know but we'll probably never know so
1: i don't know like literally uh these nurses were uh, they they couldn't have been more, uh, I don't know what the opposite word to condescending is, but mm. they, they completely respected.
2: the normal. I'm normal. Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, the the one nurse said, uh, when we were talking about uh, all the things that I was, all of the, the vitamins and whatnot that I was taking, but also the ivermectin, she said, this is the one who was telling me, "Look, I'm not going to search your bag. I don't really care what you have in it." Uh at one point she said, "Do you really think Ivermectin is the worst thing that anybody smuggled in here?" Nah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, she's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we're going to be okay here. Yep. So, um I mean, that's kind of the 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 journey. I d- I did want to talk about the 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 treatments, but it's it's really what the frontline doctors have been recommending all along, along with the watchouts, Like if you don't have a pulse oximeter, mm-hmm. they're $12 on Amazon. Go get one, get a couple different ones so you can check them against each other.
0: Ah, good point.
1: You have to have this and be, it's all about preparation as is you know, the preventative measures that we, the, the, somebody asked me if I, when I tested positive for COVID, was I scared? Well, not really. I didn't Mm -hmm. really have any symptoms. And I'd been doing the preventative all along. And I've got 87 doctors telling me that this works, although it may work less effectively now against this current mutation. But we also have this mega dose of uh, ivermectin that, yeah. I mean, you know, you're not, there's really no side effects after the first day or two that you're taking. Uh, first of all, I never had any side effects from it until I started taking the mega dose. And that was really only the first day, maybe the second day.
0: And what and were that, those side effects? Was it the blurred vision or?
1: It was, yeah, a little kind of like weirdness with, the uh, and my vision changes on a daily basis as it is but that was kind of the maybe a little bit of vertigo i mean just very mild i sounds, would have,
0: sounds like a uh, a nice night at the cocktail bar to right. me you know right. drinking gin cocktails all right your vision's gonna go a little wonky and you're gonna have some vertigos so.
1: but you know some of it is and we'll just list it in the show notes instead of me really really going through it but the the 2,500 milligrams of vitamin C, which the standard vitamin C pills are I think 500 a piece. Nurse Claire is actually recommending when you're actively sick, you can be popping one of those an hour. Yeah, I, I,
2: I, I tend to push the vitamins a little bit higher than the protocol. I think that, no offense to the FLCCC, I love you guys, you've done great work, but I do think they underdose a tiny bit on the vitamins.
0: Well, and, you know, I think it's important to talk about this because I think most, most normal people, when you start taking like fistfuls of something, even if it's vitamin C pills, you know, if you start taking stuff five at a time or something like that, your, your brain is going to start saying, are you, are you sure about this? Just, just because of the physical action of taking um, multiple, multiple pills of something at once. So you need to really be solid and, and know that what you're doing is okay and this is all, you know, you've got a... a a protocol laid out in front of you and you can check and double check and make sure, okay, if this pill has 500 and this is saying 2,500, then yes, I should take five of them and that's okay. And it is okay. I mean, it it is healthy that we shouldn't all be, you know, trying to be all Hollywood and just Judy Garland throwing down bottles and bottles of pills at one time. It is good to be cautious about these things, but when it comes time, to take doses of things that need to be higher do it you know and the other point and we made this point in 160 in uh, episode 161 just the other day that in terms of the ivermectin especially we're all flying by the seat of our pants here we're we're the ones now who are doing the medical research and so you know they're figuring out they're you know they're inching these maximum dosage recommended dosages up 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 because they they really didn't know i don't think any of them had any serious experience with giving large doses of ivermectin as an antiviral it just you know, certainly in the first world nothing like that was going on um and it isn't even used as an antiviral in in animal medicine either um so everybody's just kind of feeling their way through this they knew it was safe they know ivermectin is safe but they're you know everybody's being cautious and saying, okay, let's inch this up okay everything's cool everything's fine. let's inch it up some more okay, everything's cool everything's fine and now they're up to what is it six milligrams per kilogram and we went through that on one sixty one so if you want to if you want to hear Point or point sorry, six, point yeah. point six point six milligrams per kilogram, um, and um, the the truth of the matter is, is that you could go higher than that too, um, because the the overdose on ivermectin, as I've said before, if you if you're dealing with the one percent injectable and also the horse paste, you you would just barf. You would barf from having that much of the carrier vector in your stomach before you legit overdosed on on ivermectin. I, don't, I, just, I just don't think you could do it. I think you'd have to be some sort of a drunken Russian to do something like that. So, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're all learning this together and how sick is it that here we are in, in the 21st century, in 2021, and we have to do um, ad hoc medical experimentation, to, fig- to figure out how to combat this, this crime against humanity. Um, but- because
1: doctors aren't allowed to practice medicine. They just have to follow yep. guidelines.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: So to, to riff on that a little bit with one of the, the, the treatments in terms of your brain kind of rejecting, I don't even know if, you have, if, if it's your brain, the zinc. You can't wait until you need the zinc to start taking zinc because you're going to puke your guts out. If you haven't built up a tolerance to zinc over time, mm. to the 100 milligrams a day, um, you know you can't just start taking 100 milligrams of zinc a day. It, mm. it, it, your, your body will completely reject it. So you have to build yourself up to that. The, 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 the individual pills are generally either 25 or 50, and um you're you're definitely want to gonna take that with food, but you can't wait until you're sick.
0: That's good you advice ha- you that you hadn't occurred to, to me yeah
1: yeah you need to you need to build up the tolerance and I used to have a real problem with it with the with the zinc, and you know for years and years and years, I would try to take it when I would get a cold or whatever, and I would just be so nauseated. Um well guess what? If you build it up over time, it it doesn't do that to you anymore. So, so I, I
2: generally suggest starting just twenty-five milligrams, no more than that at one time, or else you will get the it's pretty bad nausea and it's like refractory to anything you try to do. It's it is crippling. So just keep it at twenty five milligrams per dose with um food in your stomach but then take it you know um more frequently um throughout the day so that when you're sick you're you're able to take the 100 milligrams in one day not at one time but in one day okay so yeah, so minor zinc-
1: minor 50 so I'm, I'm taking it twice a day uh 50 milligrams at a time and again that's with the qseratin and you can't take the ivermectin at the same time you're taking Q and the zinc.
0: Does okay, so zinc makes you barf. Um, vitamin C can give you the trots. Um, D vitamin D goes right through Too you, doesn't much.
2: it? Too much vitamin C can make it. I mean that, I mean, that we're talking a
1: lot of vitamin C to get yeah. to that point. Um, and, and that and that is the water soluble one. D is not water soluble, but The, you know, if you overdose on D, um, I think that causes renal issues, but.
2: Hmm. The the amount you would have to take to overdose on D is so extreme and it has to be over a prolonged course that I really don't think. Yeah. I really don't think that that's. It's something to to worry about. Maybe in the back of your mind, but it's not that big of an issue.
1: I'm still taking 10,000 units of d a day i won't Mm -hmm. continue with that forever i'm outside an hour or two a day in arizona i i i don't need ten thousand, but yeah for right now for when i was sick and coming off of this that's you know completely fine i take it all at once there's no side effects and you have to take it with the k2 the k2 you're you're losing two-thirds of the d that you take if you don't take it with the k2
0: by, the, by K2 the drops, is the not, easiest is the drops, and it's the two of yes. them together, yeah.
2: And the K2 is not going to increase blood clotting. Vitamin K does, it is necessary to form blood clots that's part of the clotting cascade as we call it. Vitamin K is part of that cascade. It has plays a role in the formation of clots. However, vitamin K2 does not it is not the form of vitamin K that, that is going to increase your propensity to develop blood clots if you're worried about that. Okay, Good And the,
1: to know. the K2 you're probably gonna need to find online. I haven't seen it at CVS or, or Walgreens, but it's, it's readily available online. Okay. And then um, I mentioned the Mucinex, you want the expectorant only, not the cough suppressant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you uh, don't want well maybe it was just me but i would not recommend the albuterol uh, because it can have the i don't know how common or how many people what percentage of people it, if it it has the negative effect of constricting your airway but um do try to get hold of uh budesonide either the pure Pulmicort form or the simba that has a uh, bronchodilator um, added to the budesonide and is then that just, over the
2: counter is that over the counter
1: no
0: No.
2: okay so the budesonide nasal spray that you can purchase over the counter is not what we're talking about that has 32 micrograms per puff and it goes up your nose we're talking about um for covid you need an entire milligram which would be 1000 micrograms yeah um you're not going to get that out of the no. little nasal inhaler and it has to get deep into the lungs that's why um the budesonide nebulizer is what is part of the COVID treatment because it has to act locally on the on the lung tissue itself in order to stop the inflammation so putting 32 micrograms up your nose is not gonna benefit you. If you're going to Walgreens and buying that for this purpose, you're wasting your money.
0: hmm okay, good to know. And can, can you get a prescription for that um, from these online telemed people? Yeah, okay. you, you I mean, should be able to. I, yeah,
1: from what I found, the, uh, there's two different ones that, that, that I use, and honestly, I don't think they've ever not given me what I've asked for. Nice. Just like through through the years, it's just it's you know unless it's uh, unless it's maybe an opiate based like I don't know if you can just ask for Oxycontin, but um, anything I hope not, goodness, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything anything. If, remotely... if you find
2: a person online that's going to prescribe, and there are online prescribers, believe it or not, there are online doctors that are disp- that are prescribing oxy. I, I so not my announce that publicly, but if you find one of those people, that is not the person that you're looking no. for. Don't
1: here's my, find here's a my, more
2: reputable physician. Here's mm-hmm.
1: my Oxy story. So um, about 10, eight or 10 years ago, I have uh, back problems that I have from a, a, a car wreck 30 years ago.
0: Oh, that's have, how a lot of it starts with people who have back problems. Who have back injuries, yeah. Right.
1: So it's very, it's, it's two herniated discs and then the nerve that goes through there. You know, when I, when I, when I mess it up, the sciatica goes all the way down to my ankle. And it's, yeah, it's really, really, um, not good. So I, every once in a while, maybe once a year, once every two years, I'll do something that I, that I tweak it. And, uh, this particular time it was, um, it was at least bad enough that I, uh, I was gonna need a, a cortisone shot in, that they put right into your spine. So anyway, I was new to Arizona, didn't really even have a doctor, ended up going to like Arizona pain management clinic. And this doctor who had never seen me before in my life, not only does he give me Oxy when all he really needed to give me was prednisone, and maybe a, just a very short term, like pain management. I don't know. I walked out of there with a script for ninety, ninety
0: no oxycodone. Oh, yeah. How I many still of have, those did you take?
1: There's still like eighty five of them in the bottle. If of- <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did it, did, did it freak you out or did you hate how just, it felt or? I just,
1: I just, it was just so irresponsible that I, I was oh, dumbfounded. Yeah. Like, I think my jaw dropped just like, does he, does he do that to everybody that walks in here and he sees for the
0: first time? Probably. And Man. this
1: is not ancient history. This is literally like 2013, like opiate crisis already in full mm-hmm. view.
0: Mhm. Man, shun all that stuff. They gave me Valium when they pulled my wisdom teeth out, and I was 21 years old. And from that moment on, it was absolutely not. Never again. Under no circumstances am I ever, ever, ever having anything to do with any of that high level uh, pain medication stuff. And and you know, thanks be to God, I've not. Well, I've had some pretty bad back episodes but there's just no way absolutely no way i'm having anything to do with any of that stuff and i would encourage everybody out there listening because apparently you know really good people have gotten just hopelessly terribly addicted to that stuff to the point where they've just you know ruined their families financially buying it buying it illegally and everything just S- such bad news um and it's it's part of the post-christian um world in that the sense that pain is just is to be absolutely avoided at all costs it, pain can never have Good point. you know there's no there's obviously no conception of of suffering as being even remotely meritorious um and so yeah that's that's the modern world that People will will get themselves addicted to this stuff, and apparently it happens quite quite fast. And like you said, Mark, goodness, with with unethical doctors, lab, I'm sorry, that's unethical to give somebody 90 pills. Good heavens, um, that's that's just ridiculous. Yeah, so stay away from it. That's my that's my advice.
1: C.S. Lewis wrote a whole book called "The Problem of of Pain." The problem and of pain. If, yep. If you don't, if you don't understand why, and and certainly there we're not we're not talking about subjecting yourself to excruciating pain and and you know not not desiring any relief. But what Anne just said about not placing any value in in suffering and how you can make suffering very meritorious if you deal with it the right way and suffer well. That it's a, suffering can be a grace, and oh, yeah. it's actually meant to be a grace, and it's meant for you to use it to uh, apply to the cross. Yeah, and and you know when when Jesus says take up your cross, that's what this is, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know suffering is the, is the way, suffering well is the path toward holiness. Never and it's, that.
0: it's not just the physical suffering also. We also see this business of people just demanding to be medicated when they have any, you know, spiritual or emotional suffering. You know, you, you can't, you're not allowed to be sad, apparently, even though one of the Beatitudes is blessed are those who mourn um no no we can't have any of that and so you know i've just heard stories time after time after time from people where they walk into a doctor's office and the doctor just out of the blue is trying to write them a prescription for um benzodiazepines or something for for xanax for prozac for for whatever like it's, it's, it's so shady, it makes me think that there, there clearly has to be some sort of a kickback scheme going there um, that they'll, they'll, when I was a kid, um, the few times that I, that I went to the doctor after you know entering puberty, um, they're always, always trying to get you to get on birth control pills. Um, and I think today, It's the same. It's largely the same thing, but across the board with everybody that, you know, you go to the doctor for to get stitches and the doctor says, oh, by the way, how's your mood? Would you would you like some Xanax? You know, and it's 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 just evil and horrible and insidious. And it's so important in life that when bad things do happen, that you do mourn and you are sad and you do have that that emotional suffering. That's, that's normal and good. If you're a person who never experiences any um, emotional suffering wh- when bad things happen, I mean, there's a name for that, it's called psychopath. Why, why would you want to medicate yourself into a, into a de facto form of of psychopathy That's just, that's nuts. And then of course we see that because Almost all of the um, school shooters and and mass shooters are young men who are on benzodiazepines or coming off of benzodiazepines. and so it's it's just obvious what's going on. It's important to feel things to feel things physically because you know, I mean that's your feedback mechanism. That's why I mean circling back to the beginning of the conversation. that's why what what happened to Mark was so insidious because you were, you were spunky all the way through, you know? Um, it's important to feel things, both in, in your physical body and in your soul. If, you're, if you want to just numb yourself to everything, that's not good. It's really important to feel um, even negative emotions. And, and again, the biblical proof set of this is blessed are those who mourn. Because that means you've got, you, you have normal affectation um, and don't, don't, ever, don't ever resist that.
1: A lot of times it's about processing trauma, too. And you can't process anything if you're numb.
0: If you're doped, the, yeah, the, exactly, the, the pain,
1: yeah. The pain is the medicine in a lot of cases, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking broadly now about you know, different things as, as you go through life, but you can't process and move through something most of the time without the pain. That's exactly. that is that that is a vital part of the process. So, yep,
0: um, yeah. Well, that's a, that was a good tangent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the last thing I want that's on my list here that I want to make sure that I that I mention in terms of being prepared, or even just like you can just probably should be doing this every day, even if we were in 2019. Like this has really nothing to do with with COVID. A saline lavage. For your nose, just saline, you know, available like online, like the
0: the neti pot things, right? right?
1: You're just you're you're dumping a saline saline powder into water, and it goes into a bottle, and you squirt it up your nose twice a day and you lean you know, over
0: the sink and you, you lean over the water. sink
1: it's kind of messy it's kind of oh,
0: <laughs> if you want to see some seriously gross videos on youtube <laughs> the, the neti pot oove on youtube is oh, i wish you hadn't told me that oh my goodness it's But it's in a certain sense, though, it's it's inspiring because when you see something that legit looks like um, like the movie Alien come out of somebody's nose and they're just like and, you know, they're they're okay with it. And you're like, wow, that is that would that must feel fantastic to have that much disgusting effluvium come out of your nose all in all in one clot baby it's oh it's nasty but it's 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 natural it's natural and hey man i mean what's cheaper than salt water you know right get her right. done and you yeah. actually
1: get pretty good at it um it it, it takes a little bit of uh, of practice but uh, do you feel so, like
0: you're drowning because i've actually never done it i've never done it do you feel yeah, a drowning sensation?
1: Uh, and unless, you know, at the beginning you kind of do, and then every once in a while, you'll get it not quite right, and you do have that.
0: You're uh, waterboarding that, yourself. That
1: like you had a wave crash over you, you know, cause it's yeah. salt water. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah, that kind of feeling. But, um, nice. so that's once in the morning and once in the evening, along with, I just just do it at the same time. You can keep the, keep the bottle and keep uh, this bottle side by side. Listerine, folks.
0: Oh, yeah. We talked about it on 161. Yep. 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 yep.
1: The Listerine twice a day, 30 seconds.
0: Um, And do that deep deep gargle, you know, where you let it fall way down into your throat, you know? And it's it's almost like a, a physical challenge to see how deep you can get it down in your throat before you you know, spit it back out, you know, but oh yeah, that's, that's good stuff. And it makes you feel so much better too. And I'm sure if, you know, if you're around other people, it makes you more pleasant to be around too.
1: Of course. Of course.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, um, I don't know. That's my story. It's, it's, should, I was, uh, you know, in a very vulnerable group for this thing. Uh, mid fifties, I could definitely lose 20 pounds, maybe 30. Um, I'm a smoker, like not two packs a day, but I'm still smoking at 54 years old. So that's naughty. Not, it's not great. Um, I, uh, you know, I was on the list for someone who should have COVID very, very severely and, uh, probably in the ICU and maybe not even make it. And, um, I definitely attribute the, the preventative measures mm-hmm. to, to making me have, uh, you know, a, a fairly middling case and really just this, the teetering over the brink of needing the oxygen for, uh, you know, acutely there for a couple of days and then for about a week or so to, to completely get the numbers back up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm,
0: and you had a fantastic nurse advocate with you every
1: step of the way she's she's awfully quiet now
2: (laughs) Uh, well because i'm thinking of how i'm going to interject um i want to point out for everybody if you've noticed mark took the ivermectin for a long time and that is a mistake that a lot of people are not making there um i should post this in the show notes there's a chart that shows the course of COVID-19. And those first five days, you know, if you look at the FLCCC protocol, it suggests that you take ivermectin once daily for five days, and that's people read that, and then they stop, right? Mm. But then if you continue to read the rest of the sentence, it says, or until symptoms resolve and so people are taking the ivermectin the first five days and then they're not following through with that and the first five days are the viral replication so that it is definitely crucial to take the ivermectin and the zinc all of those things that will help suppress the viral replication but day six and beyond is when um the inflammation, the cytokine storm, the um the the activation of your immune system, that's when all of that is taking effect. And that is when people are getting critically, critically ill. And if you continue the ivermectin, it not only has the antiviral properties in the beginning, but it has anti-inflamm in um anti-inflammatory properties later mm-hmm. on in the disease process. And the fact that Mark took that the day that he went to the hospital, and then the next day in the hospital, his son was able to get it to him. He never missed a day of ivermectin. Mm-hmm. And so that's really key for people to understand that, that it's not just five days. It's until your symptoms resolve.
0: hmm and it's not going to hurt you guys. It's not going to hurt you. You can take it for extended periods of time daily. Like I said in episode 161, reiterating, I gave ivermectin to someone who said they had long COVID from having COVID you know, last year in 2020. And they took it every day for two weeks. And it, it cleared the long COVID. It cleared it. But think about that. They took it every day for two weeks. It doesn't, i I just don't know i I don't know how to be any more vehement about this point is that stuff is not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you. oh, and the other thing, Nurse Claire, this has nothing to do with you, mark so uh, <laughs> Nurse Claire, I get lots and lots of emails from ladies and also husbands who are asking about taking ivermectin while pregnant and breastfeeding, and they say they almost always say in the email, I can't find anything about that.' And I respond and I say the the silence is a testimony in and of itself, because there have been four billion doses of this stuff given in the third world over the counter. And there's nothing anywhere about any adverse effects to breastfeeding ladies or or pregnant ladies. Would you would you say that that's that's accurate and that's correct?
2: So we can't recommend it because there isn't data. So the. Um, the COVID, the physicians that are devising these protocols and treating COVID the most, they do tell pregnant women not to take ivermectin.
0: But um, are they're just saying that because they don't know? Yes. Okay.
2: Yes. Uh, there's, but see, there's, not, there's no data to show that it's harmful, but there's also no data to show that it's safe. So you're not gonna find a physician that will, will advise a pregnant woman to take it.
0: But maybe I would. <laughs> the The other thing I would say is from a from an animal husbandry point of view, it's given it's given to mama cows all the time, both both pregnant cows and um, and um, a cow with a calf at her side. Oh, so, interesting! I didn't Oh, yeah! Know that. Oh, yeah! Yeah, yeah. I mean, flies are flies. You're not you're not gonna think about it. A cow. A little lesson in animal husbandry for everybody. Um, a cow is either pregnant or or lactating or both pretty much at all times. I mean, th- it's just a continuous cycle because the gestation of a cow is nine months, just like a human. And so um, to say that you couldn't give um, ivermectin as an anti flyer or a dewormer to cows would be a, to a cow who is either pregnant or has a catheter side, it would be to say that you can't ever give ivermectin to cows ever at all and so that therefore they're consigned to having to have all these flies and all this guys that's not the case we you defly and deworm cows every bit as much as you do steers and heifers so i mean yeah that's just a little just a little animal husbandry aside you know just just putting that <laughs> out there mhm so, all right mark um-
1: um I don't know if we're wrapping up or not, but just going back to the, you were saying the length of time of being on ivermectin daily, um, for me, it was 15 days because that mm-hmm. was, um, I actually didn't take it the first day because I didn't think it was COVID. Um, honestly, I thought I was just out too late the night before, but then the second <laughs> day I had the fever and that's when that's I was That's the next like,
0: episode. We'll hear that story in the next episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, but the second day I had the fever, and I'm like, okay, this is probably COVID, and I went for the test the same the same day. So, 15 straight days from there. Now, I didn't take the the mega dose that whole time, but certainly that whole first week and you know through the hospital and back home. So that's uh, that's like 10 days. I probably started to back it off then. Um, no, I didn't back it off until I had a negative test, which was, uh, day like, yeah, day, day 17, I guess it was. So, wow. yep. um, and the COVID didn't kill me. The ivermectin didn't kill me. If you know, what's your,
0: you're too you're mean saying? to die, Mark. If- you're <laughs> too mean to die. <laughs>
1: If God wants me alive, nothing can kill me. <laughs> That's
0: right, exactly. You're you're li- you're like Pope Benedict. That's exactly right. <laughs> if God wants you alive, nothing can kill you, and if God wants you to die, nothing will prevent
2: nothing it. Nothing so, can yeah. save you. That's right. <laughs> so, just for people who are um, still looking for ivermectin, if you go to the FLCCC website, which is COVID19CriticalCare dot com or flccc.net, dot net. Across the top, it says ivermectin. If you click on that, there's a drop down, um, a drop down menu, and you can click how to get ivermectin, and it will have uh, go to that page. And there are there's page after page after page of physicians who are prescribing ivermectin, and what states they're licensed in, um, and then they will do a telehealth visit. Um, And they can call the prescription into a local pharmacy near you. I would suggest finding um, a little mom and pop place that's going to do it's going to fill that for you or does compounding. Um, You're going to
1: have to because Walgreens and CVS aren't going to fill it for you.
2: They're not filling it. But also the other thing with Walgreens and CVS, it's my understanding that those big box pharmacies are being limited by the federal government to one box of ivermectin per month in their inventory, which is 20, I think 20 tablets.
1: This whole thing is so criminal. It's Bolshevik. It's unbelievable.
2: It's it's absolute. I mean, this is totalitarian. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Bolshevik. But there are also online pharmacies that they can call these prescriptions into that will... um, mail them to you, deliver them to you. So I suggest strongly doing this before you get sick. Do not wait until you're sick to have these meds on hand because they're actively being suppressed, actively in multiple ways. And it's getting harder and harder to find, Um, I mean, I, it's it's just getting harder to find, and even some of the overseas stuff is getting um, seized at the border mm-hmm. by by the border patrol, uh, or by customs. So I cannot overstate that. Please get these things now for yourself. Um, and the Budesonide, you know, when Mark was in the hospital, I, I am gonna I am gonna ditch on your hospital a little bit there, Mark. I mean, they sound like they did they score higher than pretty much any place out there right now. But the one thing I was really irritated, I don't know if you remember us talking about this when you were in the hospital, I wanted you to have a budesonide nebulizer. And when you requested that, the answer you were given is we don't nebulize COVID patients. And that's they're withholding treatment to these patients in the hospital Mm -hmm. on this bizarre theory that giving them a nebulizer treatment is going to aerosolize the virus and spread it more. So if you have a telehealth visit and you're able to source ivermectin, please ask for budesonide respules, which would be the little liquid um, capsules that you break open and you, you put the liquid inside of the nebulizer, and then you can buy a nebulizer for yourself on Amazon or a Pulmicort inhaler. The nebulizer, I think, delivers a higher dose, so that's more ideal. Plus, um, if your airways are inflamed because you have active COVID, the cool mist is also going to help along with the steroid. It's going to help the um, it's going to help the inflammation. And in a lot of patients after they get a nebulizer, it, they have so much relief. Um, so I I would lean more towards the nebulizer, but the the Pulmicort inhaler is certainly adequate and will get the job done. But try to find these things for yourself while you can. Yes.
1: So so why do you disagree with their reasoning? Because even when you're using a nebulizer at home, they tell you to go to to go into a room that's not being used and do it. I, in I don't
2: I don't disagree with that with that theory with that logic, what I disagree with is you have a patient in the hospital who's being treated and you're refusing to treat them. That's what the when, hospitals
0: for exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs> you know, if you want to mitigate the spread of the virus, that's fine. But you're doing, you're withholding. Tra- it's like the CPR. We're not yeah. going to do chest compressions on someone that's dying because we could aerosolize the virus. Well, either you're wearing an N95 and you believe it works, or you don't. I, I mean, right. I don't it know would, what to say. Would, it but requ- it would withholding require that to- from a person. I think is unethical. Yeah.
1: So it would require them going back to the no masking, it would require them to be full PPE on the entire floor, like at, at the nurse's station, like never being out of PPE because you'd have it potentially aerosolized.
2: But that's how most people are practicing these days. And I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with that, but what I'm saying is if a person needs a breathing treatment, you should then, if they don't want to nebulize, then they should have at least provided you with an inhaler. But withholding a medication mm-hmm. and a treatment, and there there are also devices out there. There are some devices um, that can be attached. Now I know you weren't on a ventilator, thank God, but there are some devices out there being attached to ventilators that um, are like self-contained nebulizers, so that they're not aerosolizing any sort of virus. In delivering these um, nebulized medications, I just don't believe in withholding treatment from a person. If somebody's in a hospital, they're in a hospital for treatment, and telling them they can't have treatment because of their disease, I think is absolutely ridiculous. We no, don't basically, do that for... basically because it's inconvenient. Well, no, and, <laughs> I mean, we, are you we, kidding? Me? We do, we have tuberculosis patients. We have patients with influenza. Those are all respiratory diseases. Yep. They're they're um, airborne respiratory. diseases pathogens. So yeah. if you don't want to treat the patient, I don't know what to tell you, like find another job, find another profession then.
1: Well, and I'll, I'll dump on them a little bit too, because what they did give me, they did give me an inhaler and it was albuterol. And I'm like, guys, I just told you, I think this is why I'm in here.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So of and course I didn't bronco- take it, but that's what,
1: that was, that's what was sitting on my table the whole and time.
2: Bronchospasm isn't really part of this process. So Anytime someone has a respiratory illness, I find that they always want to throw a bronchodilator at them. And does it hurt? Usually, no. But it, the benefit of it isn't necessarily there. And the, the drug that you do need, which is the inhaled budesonide, they don't want to give. Yeah.
0: It's shady. It's so shady. So Super get shady. on,
1: get on again, you know, talking about not waiting in, until you get sick for a lot of the, you know, the ivermectin, if you don't already have that on hand and probably have it in your body, like if you're not, you know, you're taking the preventative dose, uh, you're probably already in trouble, but you certainly need to be taking it at the very beginning of getting COVID because that's when it's going to help knock it out and, mm-hmm and knock it down and you can't not have it in your house uh and i ended up using uh so jeffers equine if you're not afraid of the paste is probably the best source right now they haven't raised their prices at all the the paste is is readily available and you can choose your your shipping option um jeffers two f's JeffersEkwine.com. cool uh, so i used i literally was down to my last tube you know when you're taking a half a tube a day it goes yeah. fast yeah yeah so even you know you think you have a whole stockpile but then suddenly you don't uh so i just reordered re- restocked and it came the other way a nice big box of horse paste
0: nice beautiful
1: beautiful thing <laughs>
0: So you're you're basically the functional equivalent of a six hundred and twenty five pound horse is what it boils down to. (laughs)
1: Six
0: That's pretty good. Yes, that's
1: exactly right. Six hundred and twenty five pound animal.
0: Yeah, you are a six hundred and twenty five pound horse. Now I have another question for you, Mike. (laughs) Did you stop smoking during all this?
1: I mean, yeah, for probably for probably a week I did.
0: What's the thought process of you've, you've just you've just played footsie with the reaper and you've you've dodged uh you've dodged the coof and you're and you're what's it like what's going through your mind when you when you light up that first cigarette after all of this
1: <laughs> i, I can I, I don't even know
0: <laughs> <laughs> yummy yummy delicious yum 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 yay cigarette cigarette cigarettes cigarette. <laughs> here, well,
1: Omar. remember at first that first that first week i didn't have like i i i i didn't have any respiratory system uh, uh, symptoms i had a fever mm-hmm. and that was kind of it i had a fever and i and i didn't feel great, and that was yeah. kind of that that was the first eight days, so um but then, yeah, with the uh, the, the pneumonia setting in and, and, and whatnot, that you need to get that cleared so
0: well, speaking speaking on behalf of the listenership, Mark, we all want you to stop smoking because we want you around for a good long time, and uh, oh. we, we know it's we know it's macho and we know it's all that, but um, and but, but if you quit you are not permitted to gain a big bunch of weight and become like orca fat or anything like that you got to And, do and it what right. if
1: my disposition changes Anne? what if i'm not you know Ooh. what if i'm not Ooh. me anymore <laughs>
0: <laughs> snapping during the during the, the podcast right. I don't know we I mean a little righteous anger here and there I mean I mean maybe a grouchy mark would be good on a on an anti-papal episode you know I,
1: I, I wouldn't want to become some monster that then needs like other medication to uh, to you know <laughs> did we just talk about that
0: I think we just did yeah oh the circle of life isn't it something <laughs> <laughs> so nurse Claire Concluding thoughts, anything more you wanna say?
2: Yeah, I recognize people have concerns about their own medications that they may be taking and how that could interact with ivermectin or any of the the meds that we've talked about. Um, If you go to medscape.com, M-E-D-S-C-A-P-E.com, across the top there is, there's an option for you to click. It says drugs and diseases. If you click on that, it will open a page and where you see tools, the word tools, right below that is a drug interaction checker. You can click on that, enter ivermectin and then enter whatever other medication you want to um, compare with. And that that's a great way for you to just reassure yourself that you're um, not going to have a negative interaction with anything that you're taking
0: well and you can do it with with any drug not just ivermectin yep. you can
2: yeah correct. that's a, that's a great tool
0: to have absolutely correct oh that's that's fantastic good stuff and thank you nurse claire for appearing on this episode truly and of thank you of course it's thank my you pleasure again for, always for, thank you for
2: saving our boy's life too so oh. And mark it is so good to hear your voice you have it no is. idea it is we missed thanks,
1: you thanks guys thank yeah. you
2: <laughs> all
0: right well if you kids don't have anything further um Mark, I think I'm gonna ask you to do the ultimate flex and do the wrap up on your own COOF debriefing episode. That's that's pretty macho, I think. Why so. not, All why right.
1: not? Feedback, the email address for the show, if you have any suggestions is podcast at barnhart.biz. Masses for Anne's benefactors, at least one mass every day, plus one requiem every week for everyone who died in the previous week. Um, Please uh, pray for the priests that are offering these masses and pray for all priests, everything that they have gone through and the ones that have upheld the sacraments through this whole disaster. Uh, God bless them and uh, pray for these priests. They are under. Wait, attack. are you
0: talking? Are you talking about Coof or are you talking about Bergoglio and and Tradizione Custodiones? Well,
1: I was talking about the Coof, but oh, certainly, okay. <laughs> certainly, everything that they're that they're going through now, especially yeah. the Ecclesia Dei communities that that li- literally don't know when the other shoe is is going to drop, or mm-hmm. you know, the 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 ones that are still in seminary that that. You know, according to the new rules, of course, no one is obliged to to f- follow uh, not only invalid orders but uh, um, illegitimate orders as well. But the, these seminarians that are supposed to go beg the pontiff for faculties after they yeah. after the, after they graduate. I mean, just imagine being imagine being in that position and, and pray for the seminarians too. It's-
0: that they don't throw their hands up and just walk away. I mean, it's all these parallels where you got the risk of the seminarians throwing their hands up and walking away. Even um, trad priests who are already ordained, the risk is that some of them will might seek laicization. And then we've got the same thing going on with people throwing up their hands and either um, succumbing to the the mandates, which thankfully there's some there's some positive news in terms of the the death jab mandates being struck down by the courts in the United States over the last several days, um, or people you know just. Giving up and and walking away from their careers and walking away from their jobs and uh, it's all these parallels, all everything that's happening in the anti church is happening in the secular world and it's been like that ever since basically Obama. I'm I'm sure the listenership would say, oh no, I can cite that all the way back to Luther and. You could probably cite it all the way back to the garden of eden to be honest but um it's really been it's really been so so highly visible of these two parallel tracks within society as goes the church and the ascension of the anti-church so goes the broad society and um, so yeah
1: indeed indeed and you know we talked we talked about making preparing and preventing uh sickness or you know making sure that you have on hand what you need you have a plan before you actually need the plan. Well, let's hope that the priests in the fraternity and the uh, ecclesiastic communities are are doing that right now because we're 60 to 90 days away from whatever it is that's gonna happen. It's coming like a freight train. And I hope they have plans for what comes next or how they're going to be openly disobedient to uh, somebody who they say is definitely Pope. And for that matter, you know, it applies in some way or another to the, to the society as well, because yeah. they're officially Francis is definitely Pope. And yep, boy, oh boy, there's gonna be, and of course we all should be be, be preparing ourselves uh, as well. But, yep, okay, the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you got some value out of this or previous podcast and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com for more information. Even though he's not actually, he was on this recording. He was he kicked it off at the
0: beginning, didn't he? He might uh, be lurking somewhere. He, he might be. Is. He's probably vulturing this <laughs> recording. Yes.
1: As usual, if he wasn't doing all the editing and processing and per- perfecting, I think he's had a little bit easier time now that we're using this uh, this clean feed. But uh, he's the one. He's the one who who brings it together. So he yep. also keeps Anne's site going and my site going. I know he's been doing a lot of work in the background to make sure that. Everything's backed up into a super secret super secret place in case uh, something terrible happens. So, uh, or occurs. something
0: which, frankly, is inevitable. We're going to be deplatformed wow. at some point. Yeah, so,
1: exactly. But hopefully,
0: exactly. it's just it's just a matter of hours. So, yeah.
1: And now Anne does her thing for the Matthew seventeen twenty.
0: All right fast and pray, fast twice a week if you can, pray every day without ceasing for our our fourfold intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and he needs all the time he can get, Don't, don't be, don't be praying for his his swift death because a- anybody who's in the, who's in the state that he's in he needs time because he needs to revert he also needs to learn the catholic faith too so that if he achieves the beatific vision that he could be as high up in the beatific vision as possible as as we want for ourselves and that pope benedict ratzinger repent of Anything that he might need to repent of, that he die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision, nothing less will do. Our Lady of Copacabana, Slayer of the Pachamama Demon, pray, pray for, for us. Pray for us. us.
2: Our Lady
1: Seat of Wisdom.
2: Pray for pray us. Pray for us.
1: Virgin Most Powerful.
2: Pray for pray us. Pray for us.
1: Until next time, I'm Mark. Stay frosty, my friends.
0: And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. And we're out, okay.